0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This
1: is Tyrese Halburn and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Setting the pace with Alex and Foxy. Alex and Foxy, Alex and Alex, if I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me, how you gonna stop me, we can go head to head, call out your top three, call out your top three, look at the switch from Buddy here, now that boy got three, we got Holly Burton running point, this is a Benedict for the shot, if anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the block, setting the pace, going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top, this is your number one podcast, sweeping every team, we gon' need a mop. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Goldman. Joining me is the president of the Jermaine O'Neill Fan Club. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys know who it is, Michael J. Focci. Focci, what's up, brother?
2: Oh, man, I am back. And, you know, Alex, we're coming off of, you know, Chad Buchanan. I feel like that was an awesome stretch to hear him talk everything Pacers. But now we're kind of talking about the, you know, with what's going on with, say, for instance, uh, a Damian Lillard out in the league? <laughs> yeah. You got to be ready at any point if the next star player becomes available. So I think in this exercise, tell everybody what we're going over today.
1: Yeah, and I just want to I want to jump in real quick because you brought up Chad Buchanan. And I thought what kind of like spearheaded this decision to kind of go and do a podcast like this where we're going to talk about players. It more so came from... Chad Buchanan saying, look, I just don't think free agents are going to happen as much as we've seen. We haven't seen star players at free agency uh, recently, and we and he doesn't think that trend is going to change anytime soon. He thinks it's going to continue with the way the new CBA is set up and guys taking that guaranteed money and then kind of asking out for a trade. So that is why the Pacers have to be ready to have all the flexibility they can with all their assets they have, with all their draft picks, with all their cap space that they f- could potentially have to make a move like this. So at first, we were talking about this off air. We were saying, you know, texting back and forth, like top five players to go all in for. But then we kind of realized that that's a little bit of a challenge. So we kind of tweaked the phrasing a little bit to say top five players to make a big trade for. And we don't have trade ideas up our sleeves right now unless Fachi somehow does. But I didn't really no, put any time. yeah, I didn't put any trade ideas up my sleeve, but I decided to just list five players and why that I think they would make sense for a big trade doesn't mean that it'd be an all-in trade, but it would mean you have to give up significant pieces. And I think that's a great way to kind of phrase this. I did struggle
2: with this list because my initial Mm -hmm. five were guys that you're, you're trading everything, but the kitchen sink and when that kitchen sink is known as Tyrese Halliburton, because there is no trade that if you got to give up Halliburton, it doesn't really feel like the Pacers are going to be that much better because he's the franchise. But anyway, uh, so then I started to then narrow it down to, okay, who are maybe five guys that could ask out, or you know, five guys that could potentially be obtainable? So, there's a couple guys. Initially, my list was just the top five players basically in the NBA, and it was like, okay, a lot of these guys are probably <laughs> never going to ask for a trade, so mm, we could do better than that. So, I try to make my list a little bit more realistic, but I'm sure we'll end up having a balance of guys that probably are not obtainable and some that maybe just maybe could be had if they want to move on and uh, get a new change of scenery.
1: Yeah, and I think real quick, just to kind of like lay some stuff out here in terms of our thought process, like you mentioned Damian Lillard. This is clearly a, a star in the league, but the Pacers don't really need this type of player Yes. because they've already got a point guard in Tyrese Halliburton. Brian Winhorse came on the radio show here locally on Friday, and he even said the Pacers have the pieces to make a big trade. And while they're probably not you know, playoff contenders with the current roster or or deep playoff contenders with the current roster, they have the pieces in place to pair with Tyrese Halliburton. And we heard Chad Buchanan multiple times hint at, we got to keep making this roster better. And it was like, ask me in January how I'm feeling about this team, and we'll see how things are. It was never a big commitment to like, I love this team, we're all in, we're going to win so many games. It was more like, we think we're in a good spot, but... We don't know where the ceiling of this team is yet. So I like the honesty. I like the transparency. And it got me thinking, okay, what kind of players would make sense for this Pacers team if they were to make an all-in trade or a big trade that would require moving a lot of assets? So that is why I was like, this is going to be fun. It's going to be challenging for us. You're going to have you know, different opinions that people are probably not going to agree with on here because that's just how it goes when you do this kind of stuff, Foch. But Overall, I just I loved hearing Winhorst say that about this Pacers roster because it makes you feel like, hmm, maybe we do have more talent in terms of things we could give up to get a back a star player. And I was like, I kind of got my uh, my gears turned a little bit.
2: Yeah, you know, that's what we've been waiting for to be like, okay, can we accumulate enough assets to trade for a star? Because that's historically how the Pacers have been able to obtain some of their best players. And when you look around the league, we all know. The Miami Heat do not have the best trade package for Damian Lillard. But if you look at the Pacers roster, the Pacers have pieces that a ton of teams would want. So we have set ourselves up fantastically for whenever we are ready to really push the chips in. Mm -hmm. I think the Pacers are going to be able to convince a handful of teams that Hey, look, you know, what about the Pacers offer of the balance of young players on favorable contracts, but also good players We're tiptoeing that balance perfectly. So that's why I think this is going to be a fun exercise today. But yes, like you mentioned, we will not be going into the specifics of X amount of draft picks, this player, or that player, just the one common theme I think we're both on board of is that Tyrese Halliburton is not being traded in any package.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, that's not even a question. Exactly. <laughs> I'm mean, going to throw that
2: out there because yeah, uh, he's off the table.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious, before we jump into our top five, is there anybody you wanted to give a shout-out to who did not make your list? I will not respond either way if they made my list or not, but I'm curious, was there anybody you wanted to give a shout-out to that may or may not have made your list? I guess yeah. honorable mention type guys.
2: I'm, I'm going to go with like the unrealistic, okay. and that was – Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, like two <laughs> unbelievable players. But guys, let's be honest. I mean, it, it's not even a what would we trade. It's why would either of those teams trade those players yeah. for anything type of thing. So I just wanted to take them off the list. And then I would just say this. Uh, uh, maybe I'll leave this guy out because he could be
1: on your list. Well, it's OK. Guess... I'm not going to respond. If he is, okay. I'll talk about him when, when he gets there. But go ahead
2: honorable mention just made it off the list had him on took him off really just started you know rubbing my beard a bit being like hmm what am I going to do here and I had to take him off it's Paul George here's the thing Paul now 33 years old still extremely good player but there's only one year left on his contract and there was a rumor that the Knicks and the Clippers were talking about a trade for Paul George And, and if there was you know truth to it The Knicks balked at giving him a max extension. So at this point for Paul George, one, if you're going to pull that trade off, he would have to agree to a max deal. And then two, are you willing to give Paul George a max contract that won't kick in until about his age 35 season because he has a player option after this upcoming season? So it just felt like, oof, that's tough. But I could see both sides to why you want to do that deal. And while you might not, that's why I had him on my honorable mention.
1: Okay. So I'm glad you brought up Paul George because he is not on my list. So I am able to say that safely. I just feel like the age is just too old for what this young core is uh, trying to build. And that's kind of a hint at maybe how I built my five man list here, Fachi, trying to think of guys that maybe make a little bit more sense timeline wise for this Pacers team. Uh, Somebody that was on my honorable mentions, and I'm sorry if he's on your list. We did talk about him a little bit before we uh, joined the pod on text messages, like an example, but that was Joel Embiid. Um, I I thought long and hard about putting him on my list, and the reason why I did not is because, one, I do get a little concerned with the injuries. That is a problem. But at the same time, the guy just won the MVP, so it's not like I'm going to be worried that much about it. I think that this would be a perfect player to kind of go all in for because I think him and Tyrese could be a very... like special duo, but I just, in the back of my mind, the thought of dealing with Daryl Morey just seems impossible. So I was like, I'm not even going like to try to think of any way this could even make sense because if he were to be traded, the New York Knicks feel like the team that makes the most sense on paper. At the same time, are they going to trade him to an Eastern Conference foe? I highly doubt it. So I just felt like I wanted to mention Joel Embiid because there are some people that are questioning with how this James Harden thing plays out and how the Sixers go about trying to like maintain a good roster with Joel on it. What are they going to do? And I think that there are good players on this roster, even without James Harden. It's just, it does lower their, their ceiling quite a bit because James Harden, I think as frustrating as he is to deal with as a personality he raises their their ceiling quite a bit because he's that good of a player. So I just feel like he's someone to keep an eye on. He could be one of like the next starts out. I just don't know if the Pacers, number one, are ready to be a championship contender when Joel wants out. And number two, if they would have the accurate assets to really get, you know, Daryl Morey to be like, okay, let's do this
2: deal. You know, I didn't have Joel Embiid on my list until you planted that seed. And then all of a sudden he ended up being fifth on my list okay, so I'm let's just start gonna there. go right into it Joel Embiid I got him at five on my list because let's be honest guys there is injury concerns I mean Embiid to start his career missed the first two seasons of his career then all of a sudden I mean he, he's been amazing he really has hey MVP uh he's the last three years he's been awesome however this is a guy that has always been better in the regular season compared to the playoffs kind of feels like towards the playoffs is when he really breaks down and he mm. has played with some good point guards, Ben Simmons, uh, you know, when Ben Simmons was Ben Simmons and then James Harden. It's, but, just,
1: it's just weird to hear the words, good point guard and Ben I, Simmons in the same. I know sentence.
2: it is now. It feels like a lifetime ago, but Hey, bro, for you guys, you know, if you, if you have been following the NBA for a couple of years, you remember Ben Simmons once upon a time was an all-star, but anyway, Halliburton Burton, I feel like would would get out the absolute best in Joel Embiid I do worry going all in for a big man when you already have miles Turner under contract for, mm. you know, far more affordable price. Here's the thing that we got. Uh, he's 29 years old, dwell Embiid. He's got three seasons left on his contract prior to a player option. So part of the reason that was worthy of cracking the list is that you're not trading for him for just one or two years, but, you know, I do think that he is one of the next stars to hit the, uh, the I-want-to-trade-out-of-here type of market. And because uh, James Harden, I do think, is gone, I think that the, the Sixers will trade him at some point. And then you look at this roster, it's Joel Embiid and uh, Tyrese Maxey, and I feel like that's just not enough. So, I think Joel Embiid is probably traded within the next year or two. Do, do the Pacers go after him? Probably not, but it would be one of those situations that if they did I wouldn't be mad and if they decided not to I'd say okay you know what that was probably a good decision but when can you ever really complain about trading for the reigning MVP
1: no that's a, that's the whole reason why like when I said I didn't have on my list it's because it just I didn't think it could be possible <laughs> like yeah. I was trying to be somewhat realistic you know because it's like how often do you see stars in Philly like get traded to an Eastern Conference foe Like. You know, I don't think Ben Simmons is a star. You know, Charles Barkley is a, a famous Philadelphia 76 sixer that got traded. He got traded to Phoenix. Uh, Jimmy Butler was traded to them, and then he ended up going to Miami in free agency. So I'm trying to think of, like, when they've had actual stars. Allen Iverson, James, right?
0: James got,
2: Harden got traded from the Nets to – well, I guess if you're talking about from Philly to, to someone else. Uh-huh. Did I say James
1: Harden? I meant Jimmy Butler. I don't know why I said James Harden. Yeah. I think it was in my head from the Ben Simmons trade. Um Jimmy Butler is who I was thinking of in terms of getting traded from Philly to Miami for Josh Richardson because he wanted to go there, and I don't know why the Sixers just did that, but you think about it, like when they traded Allen Iverson, they traded him to Denver, right, so it's like they've had star players, they always go west, and it's just like, yeah, it just, the stars stay there for a little bit, because that's kind of how it works. They're not one of those teams that just like trades all their stars right away, or their stars are begging to get out. It's usually multiple runs that just don't seem to ever get over the hump before they make those deals. But you know they've yet to make it out of the the second round, Fauci, with Joel Embiid. So mm-hmm. it's it's a tough pill to swallow. As like, like a guy like that. can he win the big one? I, I think that he can. I just don't think he's had the right team around him or the right coaching around him. And I think that Carlisle probably would be his best coach that he's had. even though doc rivers is considered a hall of fame coach i just don't think he's at the same level as carlisle in terms of x's and o's and that kind of thing so are you ready for me to move on to number five i'm ready brother you're gonna love this one because this is someone i make fun of you for all the time for having Mm, on your list and i'm curious if he's higher on your list but we'll get there if he is um but that's jaden mcdaniels Uh, i knew i knew you'd say that (laughs) six foot nine small forward, power forward out of minnesota They're in an interesting spot, Fachi, because we know that this Minnesota team has got a lot of money invested in their starting lineup. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards just got this max extension. Mike Conley is making good money for what his deal is. I think he's on his final year. They just traded the bag for Rudy Gobert. They don't have a lot of assets, but could Jaden McDaniels be someone why they were super excited to keep him? He was twentieth overall pick in uh, 2020. So I, I feel like they could be more willing to move him than maybe some of their other players. Like we know that Carl Anthony Towns has been someone heavily rumored recently as someone that could be traded. Makes a lot of sense. He's making a lot of money and he's had injury problems and he's not really, to me, the alpha male of that team. I think it is Anthony Edwards' team right now. That's how I kind of view this team moving forward. But yeah, I think Jaden McDaniels, why he's a huge piece for this team. If the Pacers gave them the right amount of money, I, I think they could find a deal here. He is... Going to be a restricted free agent in 2024. So we know he's going to be due for a big payday. Will this Minnesota team be willing to pay all that money with the new CBA? I don't know. And, and that's the big question mark for me. But in terms of how he fits with the Pacers, I think he's a seamless fit with Tyrese and Miles. Um, and, and probably Benedict if he's still on the roster. I don't know if you'd have to give up Benedict Mather to get Jim McDaniels. I don't know if Benedict and Anthony Edwards make a lot of sense together, but I think that he might have to be in there just to get this trade done. But I'm not going to get into trade discussions, obviously, but I just feel like this is a very interesting player to go after, and it would be the fifth person from the first round of that draft to join the Pacers in 2020. So, you know, might as well, like you said before, like we're Pokemon out here, catch them all. That's kind of how yep. I feel about Jade McDaniels. I'm sure he's on your list. If he's not, I'll be surprised. Maybe he's not someone you would make a big trade for, but I think he's worth it seeing he's only 22 years old.
2: Hey, love the guy. No, he's not on my list just because I I – Probably went more big fish hunting of yeah, like, that's all right. all right, you know, but hey, look, I I think this is someone that the Patriots obviously have interest in and I, and you made a great point about Minnesota. It, it's like, you can't pay everybody and they got a lot of money already committed between Anthony Edwards, Rodrigo Bear, Carl Anthony Towns. And it's just like, if, if you're trying to round out that roster and with the new CBA, I, it's, I don't know what they're going to do for that. So maybe that is a sign and trade. Maybe they do something of the sort, but I, I do think the Pacers could be in the running and that would be an awesome pickup for the Pacers. And I, I don't know, Minnesota's got a tough decision on their hands Yeah. because I, are they really going to go all in with the, this same group right here? I don't know about that.
1: Well, and I will say this too, they don't have any draft picks. So none. could they acquire two to three picks from the Pacers for Jaden McDaniels? Is that too much? I don't know. I'm just saying, if they could at least get two first-round picks from the Pacers for Jade McDaniel's, would that be smart business? A smart business move by them to acquire two good, maybe unprotected picks for him. I think it would be. I don't know if he's worth two unprotected first-round picks, but yeah, it's tough. That's it's tough. but he's 22. You got to project, and that's where this oh, is yeah. a very challenging uh, exercise because you're projecting like this guy's going to be 24 when he hits restricted free agency. We know the Pacers won't do RFAs anymore, so they'd have to do a sign-and-trade, like you said. Yeah. So that is where this could come into play, and the Pacers might not even have to give any players back, but they could give up like two picks and a pick swap, which would be huge for Minnesota to help build their roster even more, knowing that they don't have a lot of picks because they pretty much traded everything they had for Rudy Gobert, which I'm sure will still continue to go down as the worst transaction in the last 15 years. So.
2: I honestly think that that trade like kind of ruined trades moving forward because kinda now did. every every good player that comes that becomes like somewhat available, they're like, all right, cool, it's going to be seven firsts, and like you know this player, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what? That's the starting price now for everybody. So it's yeah. just everyone's going to get compared to well, Rudy Gobert, you know, yielded this return. So surely Damian Lillard should be, be you know twice as many picks and young players and this this. So it's kind of ruined it, but. Talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves, this might just be an absolute pipe dream because I'm swinging for the fences. What if, and this is a what if, this is a wishing upon a star, what if Anthony Edwards ever became available? Mm. Now, I I know that he just signed the rookie Max extension, but if there is ever a scenario where Anthony Edwards wants out, I think the Pacers have to absolutely strongly consider it you know, putting everything available outside of Tyrese Albert because Ant's time is coming. I really think that everything about him screams, this is a star in the making for a former number one overall pick. And I'm going to be honest, I could see him one day being unhappy in Minnesota. This is a franchise that has not won anything. Mm -hmm. They got one conference finals trip back in 2003, 2004, Ever since then, I mean, there's really no history there. They're they're maxed out, basically cap-wise. They don't have the draft picks coming in. And for Ant in his limited time, 22 years old, in the playoffs, it hasn't gotten out of the first round, but they've had tough matchups. Just look at these playoff stats. 28 points per game on 47% shooting, 37% from three, steal and a half, a block and a half. He's taken his game to the next level in the playoffs, which is everything you want to see. He's also a member of Team USA, currently with Tyrese Halliburton. But man, when you talk about a backcourt of Halliburton and Anthony Edwards, that is something special. But that might be, you know, it's gonna be a tall task if that's to ever happen. But I think the Pacers would have to strongly consider pushing their chips in.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Anthony Edwards Anthony Edwards ever became available, they would have to consider that Fachi. I mean, there's no doubt about have that. To. I think he's a very special player. So i uh, I have nothing else to add to what you said because okay, I like that. Everything you said was spot on. Maybe I'll add some more later. Uh, that's episode. what
2: that's it. that's the drift <laughs> I was picking up right over there. I like
1: it. uh, yeah, I didn't want to spoil it, but it was hard not to. So okay. I will move on to my number four because I for sake of not saying anything too early because I have him higher on my list. Once again, I'm projecting and this is someone I brought up earlier and some conversations and trades. And I'm going back to Trey Murphy, the third You know, okay. The Pelicans are a small market that players haven't loved playing in. So, with so many players on this roster making big money, will their front office be willing to pay big money for multiple players? Time will tell, but history says that someone from this team is likely to move on. You've got Brandon Ingram making tons of money. You got Zion Williamson making a good amount of money. CJ McCollum, he's still making a crap load of money. And then you've got, you know, Trey, Trey Murphy III, who ended up starting, I think, 63 games last year, something like that, Pocci. So 65, I got it right 65, yeah, out of 79 games last year. And so he shot 48.4% from the field, 40.6% from three, and 90.5% last season from the free throw line. Average 14 points per game on 10 field goals per game. I'll just go back to what I said before. I'm just, I'm sorry for being a broken record, but I just can't get this out of my head when I listen to the Game Theory podcast. I love Sam Bassini's podcast and all the guests that he has on there, but he said... Trey Murphy III is a $100 million player. And he said that earlier this summer, and it stuck with me. My Our good friend, Rep Bauer, uh, he messaged me about how excited he is about Trey Murphy's future. He was a 17th overall pick in 2021. This was the guy that we could have had instead of a Chris Duarte or a Moses Moody. I know there were a, a handful of people, I think Rep might have been one of them, that actually was interested in taking Trey Murphy with that 13th overall pick just a couple of years ago. So, you know, it's it's hindsight now, right? It's always 2020, but I feel like Trey Murphy the third could be a star in the making. Give him on the right team and give him an opportunity to show more than what he can do. Because at this point, how is he really gonna break out and be that guy with so many guys? I need the ball in their hands, right? You know, if Zion's healthy and BI's back and you got McCollum, where does he fit in with this team? And how are they gonna be able to pay him? So I think the Pacers are a team. That could be in prime position to say, hey, look, we know you guys got a lot of mouths to feed down there. We'll give you a bunch of assets to go get Trey Murphy III, and they could find a deal that makes sense for both sides. And I I think that Trey Murphy III could be, if you're projecting, a future all-star. I don't know if he's going to be that alpha male, that type A type of player, but there's potential there, and I'm just very intrigued by him.
2: Yeah, this is where it's real tough for me because I, I remember you know, you've definitely fallen in love with Trey Murphy you know, this offseason. So nothing's changed from my end where it's like, OK, I feel like I really need to see him in terms of year three because we're going off of one real good year, one one real solid year. So the projection, yeah, that could definitely be there. I have no idea in regards to what a trade package could look like. And I know mm-hmm. that wasn't the exercise for today. So Projection wise, I mean, a, a lot looks good, but when you say all star, I mean that that's a that's a big thing right over there because yeah. you know it, 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 okay. So who has a better career? Do you think
1: Benedict Matherin or Trey Murphy? Because both could be all stars, but not guarantees. I would say right now, based on everything I've seen from both players, it's Benedict Matherin's going to take a big step this year for me to think that he has more of a chance of being an all star than Trey Murphy the third.
2: Okay. All right. All right. Interesting. I'll, I'll definitely be uh, be watching uh, this year because obviously the, the amount of times you brought up Trey Murphy, man, must be special. So I know he's a good player, but <laughs> yeah, anytime, anytime someone's saying this guy could be an all-star $100 million man, it's like, oof, if you make a trade for that, you got a lot of stock involved in a guy like that. So Yeah,
1: and, and not even going off of my own personal takes, but like, you know, I, I like Sam Bassini a lot from The Athletic. Mm-hmm. does a great job covering the draft. Him and Adam Spinella usually are together at least every Sunday, I believe, maybe even more times than that. And they actually at, talked about Benedict Matherin on their one of their most recent podcasts, and they just said, I wouldn't bet the over on him becoming an all-star with how he plays. But for them to say that Trey Murphy is going to be a $100 million player, that's usually an all-star. So if you're looking at guys that have been watching these prospects for years and kind of seeing them in the NBA as well, making these kind of you know proclamations on their show, I tend to lean with guys that have seen this kind of stuff and do this for a paid job. You know, we do this <laughs> as a paid job a little bit, but we're not getting a full-time job out of it. So <laughs> I would just say they spend a lot of time studying film. And and I bait, I just, I try to base my, base my opinion on my own thoughts, but I I'm always, you know, willing to listen to help get assistance from else, uh, from other voices and outside people that know what they're talking about.
2: Of course. Hey, big year ahead for Trey Murphy. That man is,
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: But a team that you just mentioned, once again, a common theme, the New Orleans Pelicans. And this is a guy that people are very torn on. That's Zion Williamson. Mm. Now, here we go, because here's the thing. Initially, I didn't have him I'm loading up. I'm swinging for the fences. So (laughs) here's the thing. Initially, I didn't have him on my list due to his inability to be on the court. And more recently, some of his off the court drama. We'll leave it at that. But Zion is an absolute special talent when he is on the court. A talent that the league probably hasn't really seen in regards to his strength, his efficiency. I mean, we're talking about over the last two years. 26 and a half points per game on 60% shooting seven boards, four assists. I mean, he's 23 years old. Yeah. New Orleans, they have a history of not being able to keep their players happy and also just keep them long-term. So I just feel like part of it is is that's not really a, a great franchise to be honest. They don't have a history of winning. And I I've been in new Orleans twice. Look, a fun place and uh, i wouldn't be going back i'll just say that like you go there for a weekend that i think that the more i think that zion needs a change of scenery mm-hmm. needs a change i've come home from new orleans but like, all right i'm glad to be home i, I think that zion though he could very well love new orleans but i do think playing with Halliburton, the coaches the culture i think everything like that would be awesome for Zion in regards to his second franchise, because that relationship in New Orleans, I think it's broken. I think at this point, I don't know how they fix that. But Zion could also have eyes on a bigger market long-term. He very well could. But he is under contract for the next five seasons. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the Pacers wouldn't be getting their their money's worth if they traded for him and only had maybe one year or two years. This is Five years at age twenty-three, which fits the timeline perfectly for the Pacers. It's a yes, it is a risky trade, but when does a talent like Zion Williamson ever become available? And at this point, it feels like he's somewhat available.
1: I tell you what, <laughs> I had conversations with some friends in a group chat about Zion Williamson, and I got very animated in this group chat, Fachi. Because everyone's like, oh, you got to trade everything to get Zion. You got to go all in to get him. He's that special of a player. And I said, yeah, he averaged 22.5 points per game his rookie season. He averaged 27 points the next year. And then the next year, he didn't play at all. And then the year after that, he averaged 26 points per game. But the problem is, like I said, in 21, 22, he didn't play a single game. The next year in 2022, 2023, last year, he only played 29 games. His rookie season, he played 24 This is a lot of money to invest in a guy that cannot stay healthy. And from what we've seen does not take getting in shape as a responsibility. And I don't like when guys are unwilling to get in shape and better themselves for their careers, because look, he is a talented player. There's no doubt about it. I think he'd be the most talented player to ever wear a Pacers Jersey if he were to get traded here. And that's saying a lot because we've had a lot of talented players here, but You know, the sky is the limit when it comes to a guy like Zion Williamson. However, I am just not investing anything long term in a guy that can't prove to stay healthy. And at the end of the day, while I think if he does become healthy, he could become a first team, all NBA kind of guy, he hasn't proven that to me. And I know he's only 22 years old, he'll be 23 going into this season. And maybe I'm writing him off way too early. And that's just my personal opinion. I'm just not ready to invest in him. I feel like it has to be a larger sample size of being able to stay healthy because I was afraid you were going to say Brandon Ingram, who also has sneakily been unhealthy for most of his career as well. I just I just don't trust Zion Williamson as a player. And the off-the-court stuff, yeah, it's stuff that you just kind of want to not talk about, but I think you have to in terms of if you're trading for this guy. And his eyes have been set on New York, it feels like, since his rookie year. Would he really want to play in Indiana? Probably not. So this is why for the Pacers and them specifically, I would be a little bit out on the Zion Williamson trade front, especially depending on what they give up.
2: It is definitely risky and he won't come cheap. No doubt about it. Unless he's absolutely saying I I want out. I I will not play another game for new Orleans. And even then he's going to have a lot of suitors, but that's when the Pacers do have the, the assets to be able to pull something like this off. But there might not be a riskier trade than the Pacers going all in for Zion Williamson. And when I say all in, you know, obviously, a little bit's (laughs) off the table. Yeah, it costs a lot, but you got to hold back a little bit. But here's the thing with that. It's just, there is no other way for the Pacers to be able to acquire a talent of that caliber unless it's taking a bit of a risk. But I understand and respect all of your... Hesitancies because there is major red flags here. But if Zion does stay healthy this year, plays, say, 70, 72 games, and looks just as good as he's looked, I mean, everybody's gotta be saying, Oh my god, if he if he's available, I want in. But yeah, we gotta see something first because the last few years we've seen a player that doesn't really look as motivated, but seems as gifted as they come.
1: For sure. And there and there's no wrong way to look at this. With Zion because he is special, and if you talk yourself into it, then okay, that's fine. But I think you could be on either side of the spectrum and feel very strong in your yep. point, and that's kind of what makes us a difficult player to talk about because I don't want to write him off, but at the same time, I'm just not. I'm just not sold. Right, I'm yeah. gonna. I'm gonna move on to my number three here, Fanchi, and the soon-to-be 27-year-old uh, forward is a favorite of all 30 teams in the NBA. He's versatile enough to play either the two or the three, maybe even some four. He's being asked right now to be the number one guy on his team, and that is Mikael Bridges of the Brooklyn Nets. And this is someone we've talked about before as a potential person to make a big trade for, but we know that his value is much larger now with Brooklyn than it was with Phoenix. So, you know, Bridges to me is not a number one option for a title contending team, but I do think that he can be a Robin to a Batman. I don't think Halliburton is viewed as a Batman either I know some probably do view him at that as a Batman but I don't see that but I still think together these two would make a terrific combination of star talent you know all-star potential from Mikael Bridges we've seen we've seen the incredible defense of him in Phoenix to a lesser extent in Brooklyn he's being asked to do way more offensively in Brooklyn he's had to use more energy on the offensive side that has mildly impacted his defense but he's a career 37.6 percent three-point shooter he jumped from 17 points per game last year, Fachi, to 26 points per game after being traded from Phoenix to Brooklyn. That's a big thing right there. 26 points a game, even though it was only like 20 to 30 games that he played with Brooklyn, that's a huge amount of points in terms of a jump. So we know he can take on a bigger load. Um, I just like that he can guard multiple positions. Uh, he can be a go-to scorer, but he can also be a 3 and D type of player. He knows how to play uh, multiple positions and be a great all-around player. I just kind of wonder... Could him and Tyrese's relationship, which already seems like they have a good friendship, strengthen with Team USA during the summer?
2: All unbelievable points. You and I and many others have just kind of been like fixated on. Is there a way? Is there some type of way that Brooklyn will part with Bridges? And I'm going to be honest. He's next on my list. Alex, I agree with everything. Here's the thing. Apparently, not even four first round picks was enough. But I don't know what it will take. But the way that he exploded onto the scene last year, I felt like he might have been the best player in the league following the trade deadline. It was just, he looked unbelievable. And sure, there are some star players. Like you could always say like, what about Jokic? Or like a Jason Tatum. Whatever. The fact that Bridges was in that category says so much because this is a guy that about two years ago was nearly the defensive player of the year. So you're getting one of the best, not just two-way players, like I'd say the best young two-way player. And I feel like he's going to be a first-time All-Star this year. He's in a completely different role. He looks like he could be the guy. And if he is the guy, to your point, yeah, where are the Nets? Are the Nets like, I don't know, like a six seed or something like that? Like If they're lucky. Yeah, exactly. You don't want him to be the number one guy. But if there's a scenario where it's like, Tyrese Halliburton, Bridges, and then, I don't know, a few of the other players that you might be able to keep. I just feel you can round out a really good team. And he doesn't look like the kind of guy that's going to request a trade. So you you better come just ready to offer a really good deal. But here's the thing. The Nets have been willing to move Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden in recent years, and they owe their picks to Houston. So never say Never but it won't be easy. But one thing I, I, I like is I think the Pacers have had interest. We've heard rumblings that they've called before, but um, it, it, it just it hasn't worked, and I don't know what it'll take to move Bridges, but you have to be very intrigued, and I'm glad that he's both on our list, in our top three at least.
1: Yeah, so he was number three for me, number two for you, and I actually had him at two and switched him Ooh. with this guy. Okay. Only because of the age. And I told you I was looking at younger players. And this guy, I don't even think we've even heard his name mentioned as a potential guy that could be on the move. And that's why I'm saying, hey, if this guy becomes available, I'm very intrigued by him. And this is the fourth overall pick from the 2018 draft. We're talking about the man that's going to be playing center for Team USA this summer, Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J. This man is a starting power forward in Memphis next to Steven Adams, but also plays the five without Adams on the court. His skill set is special and would be a huge gift for the Pacers. Seeing Memphis is a small market team. They could face financial challenges. You know, they just extended Desmond Bain, their superstar point guard, John Morant is suspended for multiple games at the beginning of the season, but he's expected to be uh, expected to be ready to return, recharge and refocused. So, That's kind of their team right there. Do they reach their ceiling and feel like they have to break it up at some point? They're still very young. So I doubt that, but triple J scored 18.6 points per game last season with 6.8 rebounds and three blocks. He shot 50% from the field, 35.5% from three and 78.8% on free throws. He's only 23 and he will be an unrestricted free agent in 2026. He'll be 27 right in his prime when he hits free agency and right now is on a descending contract after signing a one hundred and four point seven million dollar rookie extension last last year. So he made twenty eight point nine last year. This next year he's making twenty seven point one. The year after that twenty five point two, and in his final year just twenty three point four. And you have to remember the salary cap is only going to increase. So this is a huge steal for the Grizzlies right now with this contract the way that it's set up. But I just feel like this is a team that could implode. Who knows what happens with John Morant? Does that cause issues? I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. to me, very young player. I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy that demands a trade, but I think with his versatility of being able to play the four of the five, he could play next to Miles Turner, and that could be one of the best front courts in the Eastern Conference with their shot blocking ability and all the other intangible things that they can do. So I uh, I think it's a long shot unless he requests a trade or doesn't sign an extension before a free agency but the Pacers should be actively looking to acquire a player like him with this special skill set.
2: Oh, man, I looked long and hard at, at Jaron Jackson Jr. to add him on my list. I ended up not having him there, but I completely understand why you do because very special uh, talent. I feel like for a while, Miles Turner had the title of best shot blocker on the planet, and I mm-hmm. feel like Jaron Jackson kind of took it from him.
0: Well, um, the, but...
1: the home, the home, statist- uh, the yeah, home statisticians that did kind of – Rig his stats a little bit, but that was like a whole other storyline. But to me, exactly. it's like regardless, this guy has got all defensive potential, and I don't think Miles Turner has really sniffed that yet in his career.
2: All defensive, he was defensive player of the year.
1: Yeah, oh, I mean, was he really already? He was. Yeah, was it this year? Yeah. Oh, my goodness, man. Everything's just – it's such a blur. As I was saying,
2: all defensive potential. This man was <laughs> the defensive player of the year. Oh, man, I can't so, believe
1: I forgot that. That's bad. I don't even remember who won any awards this last year. That's how out of the loop I am.
2: I, I hear you, but look, he is <laughs> really strong on the defensive end. And also just, you know, he was always a guy that you knew could shoot threes. He shot 35% this year, but he had a season where he shot nearly 40% from three. So just a, a really good talent that I think is really starting to – uh you know, come into his own, enter his prime. But when you mentioned that contract, oh my God, that last year at $23 million (laughs) is going to be probably the biggest bargain in the NBA outside of some rookie, you know, but uh, (laughs) unbelievable contract. I think that any team would be uh, drooling over that. And Alex, he did go to high school in Indiana. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's interesting stuff. Jaron Jackson. Yeah. If there's ever a scenario where there's Jaron Jackson and Miles Turner playing together. Oh my God.
1: That's am, unbelievable. I'm so embarrassed with myself right now for forgetting he was defensive player of the <laughs> year. That's just like
2: it, it's okay.
1: Oh, you idiot! How did you forget that? But no, it's funny. Right. He's,
2: he's got all defensive potential. It's like ah, oh, he's got a lot more than that. But <laughs> you know yeah. that, that he does though. If you can't does. make
1: fun of yourself, who can you make fun of? So you have to be able to exactly. make fun of yourself first before you can make fun of others. Which I'm very capable of doing—make fun of uh, making fun of others and myself. So uh, yeah, but that—that's that's on that's me, everybody. I I apologize. I should have known that. That's embarrassing, but. You guys already know who my number one is. So, should we save the suspense and do my number one and then go to yours? We could do that. Yeah. So, you guys obviously know my number one is Anthony Edwards. And I was like, when but you said him at four, I was like, you son of a gun. Why did you take hey, yeah. him at number four? But man, here's what I have to say. So, I wrote this down. So, if I, it sounds like I'm reading, which I've done some throughout this podcast, I apologize. But I said, if the Pazers want to go out and get an absolute dog, the guy that would be uh, that would take a halt to get would be the Ant Man Anthony Edwards. I know that Minnesota just extended him to the same contract length as Tyrese Halliburton, but let's look at how well Minnesota has done at keeping their star players. Yes, they've kept uh, they've kept Cat, but all of their other big players end up leaving at some point. Most notably, Kevin Garnett. They traded Kevin Love for Andrew Wiggins. They ended up trading Andrew Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell. This is a team. <clears throat> that has not done a good job of maintaining their star's happiness. So I will just tell you, Anthony Edwards, this man wants to win badly. And the Towns-Gobert duo could lead to massive frustrations, as well as Conley getting older and no great options at the point guard position moving forward. So playing next to Tyrese Halliburton would be incredible for Anthony Edwards, and I think he is an alpha male that can and will be a number one someday on a deep playoff contending team. So, yeah, Indiana would have to trade a ton of picks, and Nimhard, and other salary filler to get Minnesota to even listen, but it would be worth every penny to me, to acquire him. He averaged 24.6 points per game last year, 5.8 rebounds, and 4.4 assists on 45.9% shooting from the field, 36.9% from three, and uh, 75.6% from the free throw line. Not great numbers, but not bad. He's an all-star. That's a great player and only going to get better. And similar to what I said about Bridges and even Jaron Jackson, could these guys form relationships with Tyrese at Team USA this year? And we've talked, uh, we've heard people talk about how relationships have formed multiple times with Team USA. And I think that Halliburton is going to be more of a recruiter than a guy that's wanting to have wondering eyes. I could be just in la-la land hoping for the best, but I really feel that way based on everything we've heard Halliburton say and how much he's embraced it. But, you know, I will say this, Indiana is probably not the most desirable uh, location, destination for Anthony Edwards. We have the assets, and the Wolves will likely send him to an Eastern Conference team versus a Western Conference team if you were to ask for a trade. So if I'm the Pacers, this is a guy that, one, I would be more than willing to go all in for, and number two, I think someone that takes us to that next level. I think as much as we like Benedict Matherin, um, and and the Pacers even (laughs) kind of hinted that maybe Benedict Matherin could be the Anthony Edwards of the East he's not going to be. I'm just telling you right now Anthony Edwards is built different and I think that this is a man that's going to be an All-NBA first team kind of guy in the next 5 to 7 years. He's that special to me and I'm mean, if, if I'm the Pacers, I'm going all in.
2: Oh yeah. When when you mention alpha, it's like alpha Anthony Edwards. They, they go hand in hand. I just yeah. feel like that's the type of guy that can be your number 1 and Tyrese could be the guy to get him better looks than he could ever imagine. So I I don't don't think that that marriage in Minnesota is is going to last long-term. Obviously, in what world would he turn down the rookie max extension? No one is turning that down, Mm -hmm. but they got to be able to win. And I also just feel like the ceiling on that team is is, uh, low enough for Rudy Gobert to bump his head on it. So... I don't know how it's going to work out there for years to come, but I do feel like Anthony Edwards is not going to be someone destined to retire as a Timberwolf, but (laughs) Hey, who knows what could happen, but I'm all on board with you. He is one of the players that you feel that you could be willing to include Benedict Matherin and other stuff and be able to still be able to sleep at night, you know, because it just feels like Anthony Edwards is the proven version of what you hope maybe Benedict Matherin could be one day. Absolutely. So I'm excited
1: I, to hear your number one based off your list so far.
2: Number one, just just a dream. You know, maybe I'm still sleeping right now, but when you want to talk about alphas, I don't know if this guy will ever become available because why would he? But it's Shea Gilgis Alexander. Mm. Now, it feels wrong to call him. Oh, very interesting. It feels wrong <laughs> to call him the most underrated player in the in NBA because he just made all-NBA first team. But my God, this guy is not being talked about enough. He's 25 years old. He's an absolute assassin. He's under contract for the next four seasons. So if he happened to become available, it would cost a lot. It would. But the Patriots would have the best backcourt in the entire league with Tyrese Halliburton and Shea Gilders alexander he can he can score with the best of them. Averaged over 31 points per game a two guard right next to Halliburton. So I think it would work out perfectly. He's also six foot six. So yeah. he's got good size. So last year, 31 points per game on 51% shooting. He's no slouch on defense either. Average 1.6 steals, averaged a block per game. And he's averaged at least basically six assists per game for the last three years. Him and Halliburton, I just feel like would be must watch TV. And over the next few years, all signs point to him being you know, one of, if not arguably the best guard in the NBA over the next few years. And I, I think that he's probably the type of person who is not benefiting from, you know, being on, he's not on TV enough. Like people at the Thunder have not been winning where everyone is able to see just how good he is. Uh, you got the All-NBA credit, which is awesome. But Shea is, whew. That is someone that could be able to take the Pacers to the next level where you have to pony up and give up pretty much whatever you need to outside of Tyrese.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love Shea Gillis-Alexander. This is just one that I feel like OKC is an interesting team. I, I feel like they've done a good job of maintaining their their stars. I mean, yeah, Ish. Kevin Durant walked for the Warriors, but they were right there in that series before he left. They were up 3-1. Yeah. to one. They should have probably won that series but I feel like there was a lot of stuff in the back of his mind that he probably won't admit to. Russell Westbrook was a difficult player to play with, but I was actually looking at this Thunder team and like thinking about maybe prying a player off their roster because they're going to have to pay a lot of guys. And I think Chet Holmgren is going to be better than maybe we both anticipated. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks very chiseled for year two, basically, of his career because he didn't play at all last year. But if you saw him come into the league... He was a very, you know, frail kind of player with the frame that he had. And he's definitely done a great job adding muscle. Then you got Jalen Williams, the one that made all rookie first team, who I think is going to be a stud in this league. And then you've also got Josh Giddey. So you're going to have to pay probably all four of these guys handsomely at some point. And to me, I was kind of thinking, I feel like Shea might be the guy that, or not Shay, but uh, Josh Giddy might be the guy that could be the most likely to be moved out of those three. Good. Because I don't see, like, I think Josh Giddey does a lot of great things, but I wonder if his defensive weaknesses could be part of the reason they move off of him, just because I feel like the other three are much stronger defenders or will be stronger defenders. So that's my only thought process there. But I would love Shay on this team. I think the only problem that I could see occurring is he views himself as a point guard. And would he be willing to share the ball? with Tyrese and would Tyrese be willing to play off the ball more? That's the only problem because Tyrese loves to have the ball in his hands. And I know that Josh Giddy runs a lot of point guard too with Shea there. So it's not like it's one of those things where Shea can't play off the ball, but Shea is not a shooter. He is a guy that gets to the basket and he can finish in contact or through contact and in the paint. So he's got a great, you know, last name. I mean, any person that has Alexander in their last name, I'm all for it. You know, that's a great name, but, yep. uh, <laughs> This is tough. I, as your number one, would you rather have Shea Gilgis Alexander or Anthony Edwards? That's tough. I, I that's think that's really tough. I think probably SGA because of the defense, but man, that's like a really fun conversation. Uh, because I just love Anthony Edwards' demeanor, but Shay, man, he's he's tough as nails, man. I mean, great for put. Great first player to have on your list, Foch. I, I have nothing else to say, but he's just he's a phenomenal player.
2: I know, that's the thing, is like, man, I, it's weird to say he's underrated because he's extremely good, mm-hmm. but this guy just, he needs to get talked about more, and I think once the Thunder are winning, I mean, he's just going to be such a problem, and I've heard mm-hmm. now, like, a ton of podcasts where players talk, like, you know, who who's, like, the biggest problem for you? Like, oh, man, Shay, like, oh, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. So, I, I think that Man, there's just probably never going to be a way the Pacers can obtain him. But if if there was, that's when you have that opportunity to have that unbelievable backcourt. But between him and Anthony Edwards, you can't go wrong there with either of them. But for everybody listening right now, that's what the the exercise really was. That if (laughs) one of these special players becomes available, that's when you're willing to pull trigger to say, hey, you know what? It's going to cost a lot, but... We're willing to take a swing for the fences here. And I think that all the players on our list would drastically make the Pacers a better team. And I think that that's the fun part. And they've set themselves up to be in the running for when that guy comes about that they truly do feel is the ideal fit for this squad. Alex, I I don't want to get impatient, but I can't wait for when that day comes.
1: Yeah, it's, it's fun to look ahead and be like, Playing hypotheticals here where you're like, Ooh, what would this team look like with the Shea Gilgis Alexander? What would this team look like with an yep. Anthony Edwards or a Bridges? It's like, oh man, that just gets me so excited. But yeah, you just have to be patient because the deal will come and it's probably going to be somebody we didn't mention that becomes available probably. that could help us right away. You know, everybody always talks about OG and Pascal and those kind of guys in Toronto, but it's just like, eh, they're going to be free agents soon. And I, I wanted to look at guys that have exactly. longer term deals that you'd actually be willing to trade for or that might not want to ask out for you know a couple of years but at that point you still got to keep that flexibility in case you do want to make that trade but go ahead and read us your your list from five to one Focci, so we can kind of remember who you said and i'll go through mine after you're done
2: all right at number five Joel Embiid, at number four anthony edwards number three zion williamson number two mikhail bridges and number one Shea
1: gilgis alexander all right for me number five we got jaden mcdaniels small forward power forward from minnesota Trey Murphy, the third, six foot nine wing from the New Orleans Pelicans. Number three, Mikel Bridges, six foot six forward from the Brooklyn Nets. And number two, Jaron Jackson, Jr., six foot 11 center power forward out of Memphis. And then number one, Anthony Edwards, six foot four guard out of Minnesota. So that was a fun one there. I think we had two commonalities. So you probably got a total of, what would that be, eight players there, Fachi? So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a fun list that we were able to talk about and go back and forth. So. With that being said, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up?
2: Oh, guys, I'm sure there's probably a couple names on here you're probably thinking, oh, come on, that's never going to happen. But you know <laughs> what? Let us dream because we want to think big. We want to <laughs> think past how do we get to the second round. You know, we, we, we're looking to say how we win a championship. And these are the players on here that, for the most part, I feel like could elevate the Pacers one day to championship-level potential based on you know their years, them getting better. So I thought it was a fun exercise today.
1: Absolutely, Fachi. So go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media.
2: Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. Alex, tell them where they can
1: check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast. where you can find all of our latest content. Last week, we did milk the cow quite a bit with our Chad Buchanan conversation. I've had some people ask me if I'll have that video up on YouTube, and I will do my best to get that up this week. If it's not up this week, I apologize, but I will do my very best to get that up. I've been very busy. And with that being said, we also want to let you guys know that our next episode after this one will be a very special guest. We're going to have Justin from the Pacer on. To talk all things pacers off season and stuff with him. So I'm sure Justin will bring some great content because we know that they do a great job over on the Pacer Roos podcast. So Justin's gonna be joining us. But Fachi, if you're excited for the future of this Indiana Pacers team, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We're gonna need a mop smooth.
0: Mm-hmm.